And welcome to Sanctuary First and to The Late Show. And it's Friday the 26th of June. And we're delighted that it's the usual team that's on board with us tonight. We've got Laura Dagan. Hello, everybody. And we have got Ian Jimison. Hey, guys. And as our special guests tonight, we have got the, the, the one and only Linda Pollock. Lovely to see you, Rosalind. Lovely to see you, Albert. And it's just as well there's only one of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, tonight, it, those of you who are listening in on our Sanctuary First Late Show, this can be listened to on uh, Facebook, uh, on the Sanctuary First website at www.sanctuaryfirst.org, or you can listen to it. It's always the last Friday of the month on our app. But tonight, we've got a very interesting topic we're going to be looking at, because this in, in Scotland uh, this week is Refugee Festival Scotland Week. And uh, we're thinking about the plight and the, the situation facing refugees throughout the world. The world is in, in, a, in turmoil as, as people and nations are moving across uh, different parts of the world and everything's changing and there's a great flux happening and that affects everybody and it affects the UK. And in the context of that, we're gonna have a discussion and one of the things we're going to be thinking about is, is our policy that, the, that our present government in the UK is running, is it, is it a moral policy? Is it right? And is it difficult for people who are involved in trying to find a home and sanctuary? How easy is it for people to get into the UK and find a home and be welcome? So that's what we're looking at. That's what we're thinking about. And I'm going to just throw it over to you, Laura, because I know you've always got something to say on these issues. And then we'll pull Linda in because she's had a lot of uh, interesting issues and on campaigning uh, with working with some refugees in her parish over the years. And then Ian, I know you've got stories to tell because as a GP, this is something that comes along your way, I guess, on a regular basis. Oh, yeah, well, well Albert, I'd... I'd... I really do feel strongly um, about this. You know, we're we're called, you know, to, to love our neighbour, you know, love our Lord, you know, love our Lord of God and love our neighbour. And um if we are not, you know, if we're if we're not like reaching out and helping people in their most desperate times, you know, what does that say about us? And I think, you know, the policies that our government are, are currently, um, you, know, dis, you know, displaying, they're not moral, they're not ethical. And, and now we, we hear the latest one that, you know, I heard this week um, was that we were going to tag, you know, you know a trial of tagging um, people that come over, um, you know, especially the ones that are coming over over the, the, the channel. Um, they're not criminals. These are people that are, you know, fleeing, you know, desperate situations. And you don't, you know, risk your life, you know, for for nothing. And we really should be actually acting in love and compassion instead of, you know, treating people as if they're nothing, as if they're criminals. Oh, just uh, now that you've heard your moan about that, which is great, what I want to now talk about is, should we be celebrating the fact that, that we can have coming into our communities a rich, the rich heritage and experience of people from different parts of the world who have got the resilience to, to, 
to find themselves in a situation where they'll, they'll, they'll put their life at risk in order that they can find a life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they should be not be celebrating that. I'm happy to come in here. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, my experience of refugees and asylum seekers, while it's really hard work, the rich rewards are incredible because to sit in their company, to listen to their conversation, to see how wide and how deep and how broad their understanding of God is, blows my mind. They suffer in ways we will never have to suffer. And Mm -hmm. we all know the great mystics of our faith tell us that suffering we encounter the divine. And I could sit at their feet for hours, just hear their stories, their stories of, of betrayal by other people, their stories of running really, really fast and hard, of leaving with just the clothes to stand in and knowing that they have everything because they have God and never mind the food the food's amazing that they bring and they're the way they celebrate and the way they worship and and the church I was in in Glasgow if it wasn't for our African community uh, our church would just be a dull old traditional boring church of Scotland where the Africans brought in energy and life and movement and color and vibrancy and it was like Here's, a, here's what it means to be a Christian. And it was day and night. And I was so glad we had Africans, but we had Vietnamese, we had Indian, we had Pakistani as well. And all these different cultures brought color and vibrancy and we benefited because of it. Now, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not meaning to rant or take over, but their children alone, never mind the parents, what the children brought, the, the sense of desire to study, to learn, to be the best they could be. And there, there was this one wee lad, when he was 14, he was given a wee trip away to one of the, the big Christian conferences with his mommy and daddy. And do you know what that kid did with the pocket money he was given? He bought a no. commentary He bought a commentary in the book of Daniel because he wanted to learn about Daniel. Many 14 year old kids do you know would do that, but that's because that boy, his life has been forged in fire. And that's mm-hmm. something we all can learn from. So you know what? Bring on these new Scots. Bring them on. Yeah, absolutely. Ian, your situation as a GP, uh, you must come across uh, this issue. And how how welcome do do uh, refugee families feel when they come into Scotland? I, I mean, I, I think the thing about the Scottish people is that we are a very open and inclusive people. Um, and we've got a long history, a tradition of hospitality and welcoming people into our country. And the Scottish government um, have opened the doors as wide as they feel that they can politically um, to bring people into this country and to help them settle. Um, I've been very blessed in the fact that my practice has been part of some of multiple practices in the issue that I've looked after refugees Um, uh, now from um, Ukraine um, that have fled troubles in their own country um, and have come to our country. And I think there's lots to unpack here and and I think there's lots that maybe we need to actually open up about and and make manifest. Uh, But one of the things that's really blown this back onto the stage in in a really fundamental way is the troubles in Ukraine, because we look at Ukraine, we see cities just like our cities, the cars just like our cars, you know, and something in that that doesn't sit easy with me, mm-hmm. just because people look the same as I do, yes. doesn't make them any more worthy yeah. of the love of God or the hospitality mm-hmm. of, of my nation. Um, 
And the same is true in medicine. I mean, one of the, one of the most amazing things about our country <clears throat> is our National Health Service. Um, it's free at the point of delivery to everybody who needs it. Um, it's struggling by its very fingernails right now. Um, but yet it still opens its heart and opens its doors um, to people who arrive. Um, but there's a practical side to this as well. People fleeing war-torn nations, people in fear of their life. These people arrive in this country deeply traumatized with very poor grasp of the language. Understandably, I couldn't go over to their country and speak their language like a native. Um, so we have to mobilize lots of resource in order to engage and then engage meaningfully. And do you know something that's really interesting? Out of the corners of the NHS, um, I've known consultants to come forth, one particular consultant friend of mine um, who's made it his business to help with refugees who've experienced trauma uh, through war um, and the ravages of war. He does this for nothing at all, nothing at all. He gives us his free time uh, to give himself to these people. Um, and as I say, my own practice, but something confronted me the other day there. Um, I met a man, with his interpreter from, from, it was happened to be from Ukraine, but it could have been from any part of the world. And um, what a brilliant interpreter. And we were able to have a talk, just like I'm talking now. She just knew her job so well that she could make that conversation so real in that space. And I realized something fundamental. And that was, I don't understand what it's like to have the house next to me shelled. And their families' bodies strewn across the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't have any clue what that's about. I don't know what it's like to be persecuted to the point of death for my faith. I would hope I would be a stand-up guy and I would stand up till the very end. But I don't know that because nobody's pointed a gun at my head and told me if I didn't convert to a faith of somebody else's decision then I was going to die. Or if I didn't want to change my sexuality to the sexuality that uh, was, was deemed to be the right one yeah. in the country that I lived in, that somebody was going to kill me. Yeah. And the people that I loved are the person that I loved. I've got no conception of that. So in talking to this wonderful man, I got this insight. And I thought about the people who, who throw criticism at, a refugee policy. You know, there's only so much room in the UK. There's only so much resource. How many people can we invite in? Well, the truth is we, we are, we become so plump, and, and I definitely include myself in this, on the benefits of living in a Western democracy, that we forget what it's like to actually try and make a bit of room and live in a little less. And maybe just maybe um, try and give a little bit more of ourselves to these other people. So in talking, as I say, in talking to this, these kind of abstract ideas that you hear people talk, I felt like saying, come into this room for a minute and talk and, and have this mm -hmm. human being in front of you. Talk to this yeah. traumatized human being. Look at his tears as he talks about his niece and his nephew who are currently fighting on the front line. And tell me that you're not moved by these tears when he's sitting in front of you. 
and this is what I find about the people who pontificate and who, who sometimes make the rules with no experience of what it's like to be the other end of those rules. You know, do the people who want to tag refugees, have they ever been tagged? Yeah. People who want to put them on a flight to yet another foreign country to find their place again. Have they ever been put in a flight to a foreign country? That might be the case for some of them, but I've never met these people and I've never heard these people. And that that's what I that's who I want to hear from in this debate. I want to hear from the people, and we don't hear enough of the voices of the refugees that come into this country. What we do hear is <laughs> lots of the children of refugees who have become settled in our country. But I think we need to be more understanding um, and more inclusive. It has been one of the great privileges of my life that I've been privileged enough, blessed enough to be in the position where I can be a tiny, tiny, tiny wee part um, in helping somebody settle and trying to help them to get the, the medical care. Because that's that's my gift, isn't it? Um, that, that, they, that they need and that they deserve and that we can afford them. Do you know, well, one of the things we can all do if you want to know a little bit more is to go onto the website to Refugee Festival Scotland and begin to celebrate some of the great things that's on that site, celebrating some of the things that's happening in Scotland this week. For instance, the festival was opened by a, a Ukrainian opera singer who's come to live in this country, you know, and there's just amazing stories of, of hope and of contribution to the life of our country that needs to be told. And, mm -hmm. you know, the media don't tell these stories. I don't know why. Good stories don't sell newspapers, as they say, but nobody buys newspapers anymore anyway. But at the end of the day, we need to try and get, help people see the good news stories that's coming out and, mm -hmm. and, and encourage people to see the positive contribution that uh, our refugee communities bring to our, to our lives and into our world. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, I do think we, you know, we can be witnesses, you know, especially us, you know, who who are working, you know, alongside refugees or who are part of our worshipping communities or, or parts of any groups. You know, like, I, I know myself, like, um, the, the Abrahamic group that I was part of, you know, and I'm part of, and when we um, were helping... Um, the, the Syrian refugees to settle. And like, I was forever, you know, telling people about, you know, the great interactions that we were having. And, and you know, a lot of it was revolved around food, I will say, because, you know, it's like, it's like common currency, isn't it? It's like, what do we share? You know, what are the things that we share? And, you know, it's like, definitely food is something that, well, do you know, that brings people together. And, you know, it starts off, and sometimes your conversations can be a wee bit stilted, you know, but when there's food and there's warmth and there's smiles there's laughter and that these connections grow and you know and I know like from my own experience you know being able to share that with others you know that made an impact you know and it and it changed people's perception about you know how they themselves would maybe um view um refugees so we we can be like powerful, powerful um, witnesses and powerful uh, friends to, to, to refugees in, in this country. One do, you think things... we, Linda, do you think we can make a difference? Um, for instance, you know, I know that you were involved in 
we don't need to go into the, the details of the case, but I know that, that you were involved in a big campaign just a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, uh, because of a situation in your own parish. But you, do you think because you were a Christian minister, your, the church's influence was able to influence government to change a policy towards a particular uh, family or not? What I'm going to say might shock you, um, but I found that we had more support from people who were not in the church with our campaign, and it really saddens me and grieves me deeply, because I think mm. that um, in the church we have such power, we have such a voice, but we don't use it, um, certainly not the way we could. I think the Faith and Community Scotland team, I think that, um, oh, what's World Mission called now, Faith Impact Forum, I think they do wonderful work and they have dedicated staff, amazing staff, but the ordinary person in the pew, they, they don't use their voice and they certainly didn't. The majority, when I think of how many folk go to church in the Church of Scotland, if even one, every person had gone to our campaign and signed up, we would have been, we would have forced the government to have a debate on the, in the House of Commons on the floor about this particular family. And uh -huh. so I think we have the, uh, the, responsibility mm -hmm. to do that big time. But, but do you know, know can I just say that? something? Sorry, can I just say that in in the light of your campaign, which was eventually successful, yes, that particular family are making a great contribution now. This family are among my favorite people in my whole life ever and ever and ever, amen, they always will be. And, and you were talking about food a minute ago, um, Laura, every family that I had who were asylum seekers, I was in their home on numerous occasions. Every time they put a feed on the table, I can eat, believe you me, but I could not eat everything. And their grace and their hospitality and generosity blew me away. Bear in mind how little they get to live on a week. And mm -hmm. yet they gave and they gave and they gave. So the mm -hmm. one of the families, um, I was talking to the daddy and I was saying, so how's so-and-so getting on at uni? And the father said to me, well, in first year, you know, he got all A's and all his exams, everyone he sat, I said, yeah, yeah, I accept, expect that, he's a clever boy. He says, well, he's just finished second year and he's got all A's again. I said, the boys, and, and him and his wee brother will be exactly the same because those boys work hard, they play hard and they work hard. And these are two young men who I'm convinced will be PhD, will be doctors um, in the science field, and they will benefit our country. Mm -hmm. And every other kid that I know who's an asylum seeking kid, they will also do a similar thing. Now the mommy and daddy of this wee family, they're working two jobs, daddy's working two jobs. Uh, daddy has two master's degrees, very clever guy can program computers and everything. And he works as a security guard in Morrison's. And mommy is a neonatal nursing sister who can put injections into a newborn baby's head but she's working in a nursing home because they're not allowed to work. And this really makes my blood boil mm -hmm. when people say they're economic migrants, they're anything yeah. but, they live hand to mouth. But they, these asylum seeker parents give themselves and I was thinking about this today, how Christ gave himself for us. And I'm not wanting to put them on the same level of, as Christ as in their God, but I am wanting to say that they give themselves for their beloved children. And they sacrifice their education. They sacrifice their need to be stimulated mentally in their work, to use the skills and gifts they have so that their beloved children can soar. 
and mm -hmm. every child that I've come across who's an asylum-seeking child is soaring. Another wee boy and another family joined the Boys Brigade. Hindu family, they came to our church every week. They became part of our community, but we're still Hindus. Um, and he joined the Boys Brigade. And the first year he was there, I went to this play and I was sobbing in tears because he, all night he said, I might get a prize, Linda, I might get a prize. And all night he didn't get a prize. And I was breaking my heart. And then the very last prize of the evening, the big prize, he got it. And oh, God, I've never been so happy. Wonderful. The boy from India was awarded the prize because he reached out to the other kids. He helped the other kids. He was the best boy in the uh -huh. whole of the company. And that's that's the way these kids are. They take advantage mm -hmm. in the pop, proper sense of the word of all that's offered. And in mm -hmm. the church, we have so much we can give, but with more to receive. And that's what we don't get. That's what we don't get. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, do to unto the least of these, my brothers, you do it unto me. Because when we're doing it unto Christ Jesus, that what we get back can't be measured. And when we're doing it unto the least of these, his brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters, what we get back cannot be measured. I wonder if, if I could beg uh, the audience's indulgence and, and tell them another a little story, a bit like yours, uh, Linda. I know a guy, he's a really good guy, and he's a, he's a GP, he works in primary care, and he is one of the major contributors to the most difficult to fill shifts um, that, that we have in primary care, which is where my kind of pervy lies. And when he came over to this country, he worked as a cook in McDonald's. Mm because he couldn't get on the medical register wow. for a year and he helped to feed his family until they could come over. And then he did another job and it, it was, it, it wasn't in McDonald's. I think that he then left McDonald's and went, I think he worked for Asda for a bit. Um, and he stacked shelves in Asda, got a wee bit more an hour, a wee bit more to save. And then eventually the GMC let him in the medical register. And this is a guy who, makes an untold contribution to the health of the people around him. And do you know what? The people that come and see him, the people that might see him tonight, I don't know if he's on tonight, but if he is, the people that see him tonight, they're never going to know any of that story. Yeah. But I know that story. Yeah. And a great blessing in my life was meeting that guy. It very much, um, it very much taught me a lesson about what is real and what is of real value in this world mm -hmm. um, and what titles really mean really mean anything you know you, you don't propose anything in the sight of God yeah. um, but it, but it came very very strongly to me and that's just a story I I just felt led to tell because you know I was just thinking of on there and you know every every Christmas he, he would um after after we we first met, um, we kind of went out of each other's orbit. But for a long time, every Christmas he would remember, and he he didn't have anything to do with Christmas and his faith. But he, he would bake me a Christmas cake. Oh wow! Oh. And he would deliver it for me. Brilliant. Because Bye. we had time for each other, and I just felt incredibly blessed by that. I thought, what a guy, what a thoughtful, thoughtful man. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think I, this I, is what. 
Ian, I think what we're, I'm going to try and pull all this together tonight because we've had a great discussion tonight on this. And I think the positive note we're trying to get out to everyone is this, that we need to make sure that we refocus our mindset when we hear the word refugee. Instead of seeing somebody and think of someone or people who are a drain on our resources or mm -hmm. people who we're afraid of or people who are helpless and can't help themselves, we should think in a completely different way about the word refugee yeah. as resilient people who come to bring so much into the lives of our communities. And if mm -hmm. God will touch our hearts and make us more open and generous in receiving people mm -hmm. from different cultures, we will begin to grow and develop. And that's yes. the biblical message. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Uh -huh. Albert, can I just, because something that um, I actually think that, um, I think sometimes our, our um, Muslim brothers and sisters actually really grasp this, yeah. you know, and like working alongside um, Muslim women, um, they are so generous that their time with um, refugees and asylum seekers and they, they 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 always see the best in them and it's not about or oh, helping because you know that's what god expects them to do it's they see the value the actual people and it's what they're trying to do is is like raise them up encourage them you know and i've seen the power of work you know that, that these muslim women will do you know to help look after you know like children so as that people can you know uh, get skills putting on classes you know for language skills putting on like actually thinking well where is there a wee gap what could they do to earn money you know this kind which skills can we develop and like tirelessly you know like working together you know to help you know uh, refugees and asylum seekers and i really think that you know they are such a great example you know for us christians to follow you know we just need to look at our muslim brothers and sisters and the work they're doing just now for sure well, do you know, you know something i'm now shitting my neck out as the leader of sanctuary first <laughs> If we have got a community called Sanctuary, yeah. and we say Sanctuary first, mm -hmm. then what are we doing about it? Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to put it out. Wednesday, 29th of June is what we're going to go for, all right? And we're going to have a virtual coffee shop yes. where the community can come in and start talking about how we in Sanctuary first, our community, our online digital community, can start making some contribution, a small contribution. Let's not let's not extend ourselves more than we can. But what can we give? What can we do? Where where is it God leading our community to start connecting with those who need and long for sanctuary? What I, do you I, think? I, I think. Well, yeah. I th amen to that, Albert. But you know, I, I I was just thinking there about you know the words that we're using the language language is important the language that we use you know refugees asylum seekers can we not just call them folk that look that are looking for help yeah you know yeah. we've got we've got a couple of thousand folk here that are looking for your help Aye. anybody else yeah. helping them yeah. um do you know because that's the truth yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. eventually think, they're going to help you yeah so i think people, people are, are almost fatigued with the language 
And we simply need to change the language and turn it upside down and make and let people say this is a very positive thing. They're not going to drain our resources, but they're going to give. Mm-hmm. They're going to enrich us big time. Look at the stories we've told. It's all about giving. It's yeah. all about how we're enriched. Yeah. Nobody so here said anything about, um, you know, all the stuff that you hear bandied about in some newspapers, bless yeah. them. Um, you know, that nobody here said that. We who actually deal with and are with these people are blessed beyond measure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so listen, we're going to go for it. The virtual coffee shop will be open on Wednesday, the 29th of June, at what time? 7.30? 7.30. 730. 7.30. And come and join us because at least Laura and, and Linda and I will be there and I don't know whether the doc will be there or not, but he may very well the, come in. The, uh, the, doc, the doc's doing his, his official role that day, but you never know. They'll let me join in a virtual meeting. Who's to know? <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Well, listen, guys, we're going to go out with, you know, Phil Melstrom works for the Church of Scotland and he has a real interest in this whole area of, of drawing alongside and communicating with the refugee community. And he's um, singing a beautiful song called Oh Brother, Oh Sister. And he's put it together for us. And Ray's put together a lovely little video to, to finish our evening together. And it's a prayer, but it's also a prayer reminding us that there is hope through all of this and we must not lose heart. So let's listen to this as we go out tonight. Listen to it, and uh, we'll catch up with you on Wednesday, the 29th of June. See you there. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, sisters and brothers, be strong, do not lose heart. Though you weep and you suffer And the road you walk is hard Let the grace of another Become your path to peace May Jesus hold you through your grief Though weeping may come in the night There'll be joy in the morning When the taste of our tears is replaced with the feast of the Lord And our enemy death is consumed in the blaze of God's glory And our grief will be no more We are heavy sorrow but this burden will not last there is joy yet to follow there is glory unsurpassed and our strength for tomorrow is our perfect hope in Christ may Jesus lead you your life though we in the night there'll be joy in the morning when the taste of our tears is replaced with the feast of the Lord 
And our enemy death is consumed in the blaze of God's glory And our grief will be no The weeping may come in the night, there'll be joy in the morning When the taste of our tears is replaced with the feast of the Lord And our enemy death is consumed in the blaze of God's glory And our grief will be no more 